0: we use the word deal a lot. And I've talked about this a lot recently. Um, You know, we throw that around. Oh, I got a deal this week. But if I asked you, did you get a deal on that, that microphone? What am I really saying? Did you get a bargain? So the acquisitions team needs to be locking up bargains. Otherwise, the deal is not going to be sexy to sell to on the disposition side to sell to a buyer. So your acquisitions Mm -hmm. team has to not be afraid to do the hard task and really negotiate. And that's why for me in acquisitions, I prefer to hire salespeople. Real estate is something that you can train on. Anybody can go pick up the three books, take the test, and become a realtor. It's not difficult. It's just a time commitment, and as long as you can remember it for 48 hours during the test, you're good. Um, so, real estate is something to me that can be taught. Um, there's a lot of realtors out there that I can't even believe that they're doing anything on their own, let alone being a, having a real estate license. Um, <laughs> and, but they do. They have a real estate license, right? So it's That's not. Right. It's not. It's 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 not you know rocket science. We're not talking about getting uh, you know becoming a heart surgeon. But sales is something that I believe is in everybody's blood. Mike check, I'm good? Mic check, mic check. You can read about success all day long, but if you don't put in the work, the mindset, execution, and the hustle behind your vision, it just remains a dream. When everything goes wrong, you have to
1: take all the responsibility.
0: We uncover what high-level entrepreneurs, business owners do to rise up from hustling daily. So do what you feel passionate about. Take chances.
1: The world becomes your library to help you become better at your craft. Join me as I share with you actionable tips to help you grow your business, learn skills, and help you level up in your self-development journey. Your number one spot for business and personal
0: growth is The Online Hustlers Podcast with your host, Esteban
1: Andrade. Is there anything you can share or whatever you can share whenever you went into the real estate space and now helping uh, one of the biggest well-known men that obviously ladies go go crazy for, in scaling the business, right? <laughs> I mean, first of all, why, why were you chosen by 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 them? Why, why do you think you were chosen?
0: Um, you know, I, I well, I'm fourth generation real estate, and I think I started talking about this before my camera took a dive. Um, but uh, I've I, I bought my first flip when I was 19. Um, it was in Burbank, California. I paid cash. Um, I put uh, I, I put about forty five thousand dollars into it, and um, uh, I sold it. I, I made. Uh, a little more than $120,000 in profit. And I did a 1031 exchange on that into a condominium in Aliso, Viejo, California, which is orange County. Um, And, uh, um, and that's because my dad was a commercial realtor for 50 years and I had a good Mm -hmm. mentor and uh, somebody in my corner to make sure that I was doing everything right. Um, I sold that house for sale by owner FISBO for you guys out there. Um, I went outside of title and escrow. Um, I did it all on myself, did the own open houses myself. Um, and that gave me a real fast, deep end of the pool knowledge, um, on how to navigate some of these things. And so I stayed in real estate and stayed investing my money. I, I also invested into some recording studios and things when I was really getting into the music business. And, um, that's the thing about the music business. You win some and you lose most. And, um, all of that money got lost. Um, so real estate's always been something that we can all depend on as long as you know what you're doing. And I knew enough to be dangerous and, um, but I really had the scaling. I'm a scaler. That's how I look at everything. And I scale sales and marketing. I scale infrastructure. I scale ecosystems and mindsets and really grow people. If you don't have good people, it doesn't matter how good your systems or processes are. It just doesn't matter. So, um, and creating that culture. If you have a great culture, I call it sticky. They're never going to leave because their job is so sticky for them. They have good money coming in. Um, They have uh, a position that they love. They have friends in the job. Um, They appreciate and respect their bosses. And, you know, for me, I say this a lot. Here's a water bottle. The bottleneck's always at the top, right? So I I work a lot with management and C-level positions um, to make sure that that mindset and that um, company culture and core values is instilled in um, all the way down in every role in every department um, so that, uh, you know, the company can scale and you hold everybody accountable with SOPs so my background is really creating those bumpers so to speak like bumper bowling when we take our kids Um, having those 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 rigid lines in there Um, you know people drive better during the week than they do on the weekend why because they have a set time that they leave a set time they show up to work a set route that they take on the weekends they don't have that um so Mm -hmm. we as humans need that sop we need those standard operating procedures for every role and 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 every uh lane of the company including management including ownership um, and having that corporate layer over something like, uh, wholesale, um, where it can definitely be more of a lax environment. Um, not everybody has business acumen on day one, um, to be able to run their shops. Um, being able to have a blueprint to success, um, is something that, that I find is, is a big struggle for a lot of people in this industry. And that's really the value that, uh, I think I brought to Tariq by houses. And, um, you know, I, 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 we, we moved a lot of mountains. And Tarek's a visionary. Um, And that's why he and I get along so well, because so am I. Um, But uh, I'm also heavy on the architecture side. And um, I Tetris it all together. Um, My brain doesn't turn off, unfortunately for me. Um, And uh, that enables me to move quickly and and move the right people into the right positions uh, to be able to delegate and not have the weight of the world on my shoulders, but uh, be able to have an army of people uh, to do an army of tasks to, to achieve a goal quickly.
1: Okay. What would you consider yourself? Are you uh, like a high level consultant for companies, for CEOs? Uh, What will be your your role? Like, is that how you know? I, I,
0: uh, yeah, so I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a trainer, so to speak. Um, You Mm -hmm. know, I I do a lot of sales training. Sales is in my blood. It always has been Um, being able to talk to people and get through to things and paint pictures. Um, you know, mirroring and, and neurolinguistic programming are all in my quiver. Um, and mm-hmm. those are things that I instill into sales teams. Um, and you know, you have different people, different styles of salespeople on acquisitions than you do on dispositions. Um, on acquisitions, we have to be a lot more nurturing. So somebody who may be, uh, from a customer support background or even more poignant, somebody who's in you know customer retention, um, is, is a good fit for, you know, acquisitions. They have to do handholding. They have to build rapport. It's a softer sell. It's B2C. On the disposition side they are actually doing a sale on acquisitions we're selling an offer and we're selling uh credibility and we're selling report um on the disposition side we are selling a product so that is b2b and you know you can be a lot more aggressive um you can give people strict timelines um you can bat them around a little bit more and, and cultivate your buyers and tell them what you expect out of them or they're off the list um, and I find that aggressive nature on the disposition side to be a very winning solution and the acquisition side being a much more nurturing um, aspect. So training sales and getting that acclimated, um, TCs and understanding their roles uh, as, a, as a middle ground in between acquisitions and dispositions is very important. Um, and then you've got your project managers and they have to understand their role and their expectations all the way up to floor managers. And again, you've got your C-level positions and you know what is, should be expected of them. And the C-level positions are often the owners, so they don't understand that the company is their boss um, and the company expects something of them and um, that expectation has to be met. And if the if the CEO is constantly out playing golf or constantly saying, hey, you take this call or you take that call. Um, You know, that that could be a real deficit to the company. So um, I train people on their roles. I train people on their ecosystems. At the same time, I'm building infrastructure systems and processes um, and really an assembly line um, around all of those people and plugging people in to their best skill sets. And anybody who has a weakness, we stay away from that. We delegate that out to somebody who that is their strength. Um, and it's just being surgical and it's studying KPIs on every role to make sure that you're, 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 you're doing the right stuff.
1: Hmm. Okay. So it seems like from very beginning, like very young, you've been like flipping houses and you flip the house and you also have been having great mentors. Uh, but what, what do you feel like made you to be a great scaler? If that was to be a word, like a scaler, like, yeah, I, I, I hear you.
0: Yeah, I, you know what? I, I to me, um, and I know this 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 may sound a little odd, but to me it's easy. Um, you know, it's like Neo sees the matrix. Um, it just makes <laughs> sense to me. It's just something that that I love and I enjoy and I just look at things maybe a little bit differently than other people do. And um I'm very aggressive. Um I'm a hard closer, so I'm the same way in, in putting together a process and working with a vendor. Um, I'm the same way in training, I'm the same way in my expectations and the quotas that I put out there. Um so um you know for me it's 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 just something that I enjoy because it's a
1: game and I love to win. Is there a way and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is there a way that like you can let us like, let us feel what you see whenever you're coming into a business that for example it's making right now 150000 dollars a month and been, been struggling, they've been struggling coming. Uh, you know with maintaining that or maybe just scaling that path to like 5x right and let's say it's a real mm-hmm. estate business right they're closing mm-hmm. a few deals here and there what's your surgical approach or what's your vision that you see your brain is giving you the signals to see this okay acquisitions fulfillment transactions the dispositions like how how do you see it can you walk us through like your visuals towards that sure.
0: Um, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of working, you know, pieces to a business. You know, I, I equate it to one of those skeleton watches where we can see all the gears moving. And just because one gear is bigger than another does not make it more important. Um, they're equally mm-hmm. as important to making that watch work and the watch that works is the most valuable watch. Right. So, um, you know, and keeping that accurate time, so to speak, if we want to stay on that adage, but, um, so for me, I look at every single gear um, and every role and, and every position. I listen to recorded phone calls on the sales side. I try to strengthen the sales process. Um, oftentimes, we're not locking up deals. You know, we use the word deal a lot, and I, I've talked about this a lot recently. Um, you know, we throw that around. Oh, I got a deal this week. But if I asked you, did you get a deal on that that microphone? What am I really saying? Did you get a bargain? So the acquisitions team needs to be locking up bargains. Otherwise, the deal is not going to be sexy to sell to, on the disposition side, to sell to a buyer. So your acquisitions Mm -hmm. team has to not be afraid to do the hard task and really negotiate. And that's why, for me, in acquisitions, I prefer to hire salespeople. Real estate is something that you can train on. Anybody can go pick up the three books, take the test, and become a realtor. It's not difficult. It's just a time commitment. And as long as you can remember it for 48 hours during the test, you're good. Um, so, real estate is something to me that can be taught. Um, there's a lot of realtors out there that I can't even believe that they're doing anything on their own, let alone being a, having a real estate license. Um, <laughs> and, but they do. They have a real estate license, right? So, it's not. Right. It's not. It's 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 not you know rocket science. We're not talking about getting uh, you know becoming a heart surgeon, but sales is something <laughs> that I believe is in everybody's blood you know, uh, and a good salesperson, they can sell door to door, they can sell, uh, knives, they can sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman in white gloves. They can really sell anything. So you're just changing the script and training them on, on your mindset that you expect out of them to be able to sell the product and sell it straight and not over promise. Um, And right now in this market correction we have from a sales perspective, acquisitions needs to be educating their sellers. If you're not educating your sellers on the market correction, you know, for me, I have presentation decks where I cite lots of sources, CNN, Fox Business, um, uh, New York Times. These are all articles that back up this educational process so that the sellers understand that no longer does the crystal ball say that it'll be worth more tomorrow, so I'll, I'll overpay today um it's quite the opposite and um especially on the investor side these flippers are very scared right now. And that's why things like you hear about novations and, uh, you know, sub two, these are all things that are working right now because, um, you know, you're able to bypass those those investors, those scared flippers, and get right to the retail buyers, you know, uh, on the back end of it. And, you know, you can sell them for a much higher percentage than what you would with a scared flipper. You know, flippers were buying in the low 70s, uh, mid 70 percentile. Uh, now they're down um, where the wholesalers used to be at the 60 to 65% range. If you get to an end buyer, well, you're, you're selling it for 100% of ARV or damn close to it, you know, 90% and higher. Um, so that's, that's, uh, that's a great way to weather the storm during the market correction. But on your acquisition side, if they're not educating the sellers, um, it's kind of like not being able to tell the joke. The punchline's going to fall flat. So if you can educate them during the process, that punchline, that offer – Uh, is going to be, it's going to, it's really going to ring home. It's going to be, it's going to hit the target and they're going to understand and respect um, where you're coming from. So every single role and dispositions is a whole nother animal and uh, their standard operating procedures are, are, are different than the acquisitions SOP. Um, But analyzing every aspect of your business um, you have, and, and that sounds like a very, you know, big task if you're a one man operation, which is why you really need to delegate um, as it demands. Everything has supply and demand, your business does too. Um, Don't just go out and open up a 40 person office on day one and hire a huge staff. Your business hasn't required that yet. It hasn't demanded that of you. Add people and add departments as your business requires. um, And those are successes, those are wins, those are milestones for your company. We achieved this and then grew it from there. But you you can't, like I said, you can't build a house or a skyscraper on sand. It has to be a very solid foundation. And you have to, you know, I work with companies where they have multiple franchises and they have multiple offices. So the mothership, that home office, has to be a very, very tight ship to be able to replicate that and still be successful and sustainable. So everything from marketing and advertising to your sales process, your sales scripts, Um, your assembly line of cold callers to lead managers, to lead closers, to TC's, to dispo. um, That all has to be a mechanized system, and everybody has to stay in their lane. You don't go to an assembly line for Tesla and see the guy who's putting together door panels run over and throw a tire on in front of the tire guy. Um, The tire guy is going to get upset. That's my lane. Get out of it. Um, And what if that guy messes up? What if the door panel guy messes up putting on the tire for the tire guy? He paints a target on his back. He messed up. And, um, you know, people, if they stay in their lane and they own their role, they don't paint that target on their back Um, and their business that they own. That role um, is much more efficient. So there's a lot of training with people and culture. And then, you know, everybody, you know, gets certain certain systems and processes and CRMs in place. Um, That doesn't mean that that's going to be your system process or CRM forever. You have to be willing to change. You know, our, our phones come out with a different update all the time. They even come out with a whole new phone all the time. Well, your business should be no different. You always have to have different iterations. You have to be evolving um, and you have to be really, you know, you got to keep your eye on the ball. Delegating somebody in-house to run your marketing, um, you'll get eight hours out of them every single day focused on your business. You work with an agency, as I have in the past, and you'll get an hour-long phone call with them this week and them on Thursday for trying to cultivate new clients. So making sure that you have everything in-house is is extremely important because then you can really monitor that and police that um We do have virtual teams that we work with as well, um, but I'm very choosy on those virtual teams um, that I work with to make sure that they have ironclad processes in place on their end, and that they're micromanaging their people as they need to on their end. So really, it's one phone call from me to their manager with a you know what the hell um, I need better numbers, and then they will make that happen. Um, so. Again, it's just making sure that you have the right people in place, and that you can police that, and you have standard operating procedures in place to hold them accountable.
1: So until, like, what level would you stop outsourcing? Because at the beginning, outsourcing can leverage a lot of the time that is not there. Like, for instance, hiring an agency, right? and hiring an agency has that has a full team in order to fulfill to what it's needed. Let's say a PPC campaign that runs forty thousand dollars a month or something like that, and then you want to scale, but you don't have the knowledge, you don't have the media buyers to do it, and the entire capacity of running it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, but at what point a company would have would bring it in house, in your opinion? Um, and it, I, and I guess no, apart from that, like what would be the faces that you you mentioned faces on the marketing side and talking here digital marketing right the talking here Mm -hmm. ppc or or facebook ads whatever um like when Mm -hmm. what are those faces and when would you hire like in-house uh if you were to hire in-house someone
0: well i um I, i i tend to be um frugal um, mm-hmm. on things and that, and you know, when I say I spend a half a million dollars a month in marketing and advertising historically, you wouldn't think that the word frugal goes with that. However, I streamline <laughs> everything. Um, if I'm paying a vendor a hundred dollars a month, but I can get it, I can get the exact same value from somebody else from $60 a month. I'm not going to sit on my hands and say, you know what, it's just too much work for me to save that money. I will save a penny if I possibly can, because that's going to, that's going to increase my PL. and Um, and that helps me to go and be more efficient. And all those pennies add up that could mean that i could start an entirely new marketing channel i could hire i could build an entirely new department um but for me um you know i look at those costs right so if you're spending you know 2500 management fee to an agency um to run your marketing and uh and you're spending forty thousand dollars a month then you're spending $4,20,50, uh forty two hundred five right forty two thousand five sorry on your your marketing a month uh, on just ppc a month, uh, depending on what market you're in, could actually hire a full-time in-house employee. Maybe it's $3,500 a month for somebody that's really good. So you're spending an extra $1,000 a month. Fine, but let's look at what that actually means. With an agency, they're going to have lights and brights and overhead. They also have other clients that they have to work for. So when they are working for you day in and day out, if they're a big agency, they're also working for dozens of other people day in and day out. And how much focus are you actually receiving for the 2500 versus the 3500 You would have somebody in-house day in, day out, eight hours a day. And probably if they love the job that you've created for them over time, and they're going to be focused they're going to be bringing ideas to you they're passing by your office door every day you can grab them you can say hey i want this change done and it gets implemented right away it's not put on a task list great i'll get with my team and let you know it should be done within a week um you can move much faster so now it looks down to that extra thousand dollars a month how much more value are you going to be getting out of that and how much faster can you move now that that's in-house and in-house manage um with somebody good and on top of that an agency, because I've been on the on the other side of this conversation. I've been uh, the agency, and you know, an agency never wants to show all their cards because then what would you need me for? Um, but with somebody in house, you can actually learn their process. You can learn what they're doing so that then you know enough to be dangerous and you can manage them. And if they're not doing a good job, then you fire them and you bring in somebody else because you know enough to be dangerous and they're not cutting the, they're they're not cutting it. Um, additionally, some agencies want to work within their own accounts. Um, that's the danger zone right? Because now you're investing into somebody else's PPC campaign, somebody else's learning, Um, you need to own all of your accounts. If you don't have ownership of your accounts, and you want to switch agencies, guess what, all that investment stays with that agency, they've got you, right? It's a ransom. Mm -hmm. So by having having something in house, and it's all in your accounts, if you fire that person, you own the accounts, that person's locked out, and you bring in somebody else, to then take over and run that, that, that account. So now you have an asset that's owned by you, managed by you, in-house, runs faster, and has 100% focus. So anytime you can get to the point where you can bring this in-house to police, great. Now on the virtual like virtual uh, VAs and, and things of that nature where it's a very low cost and low hanging fruit, as long as they have management to police them on their end and you're getting the results that you need, Um, You know, you weigh those costs. But oftentimes, um, you know, cheap labor gets cheap results. And, you know, if you're like me, you want to protect the brand, you want to grow the brand. And, you know, if you have a bunch of lackluster people touching your customers, um, that you have a lackluster brand, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So you have to be careful and very choosy and pick your battles on who you who you hire. Um, same thing with in-house yeah. too, right? They're a representative and extension of your core values and of, of, of your company. But, um, you know, and, and having an in-house team is something that I am very accustomed to and scaling and growing, um, and having virtual teams as I do now with a lot of different companies I work with, Green Elephant being one of them. We have an entire virtual army, um, in multiple departments that excel and expand the in-house team that we have here. And I have managers in place for all of those departments, um, it makes a big difference, yeah. right? If I, if I can scale an army for, you know, three people cost the same as one person and my commission structure on the back end is nil, um, you know, it, it enables me to, to to grow a lot more profit. And then I can roll that profit into another marketing channel or, you know, just scale up my current marketing and double down on what's working.